This is the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler warning for the Knights of the Old Republic series, Star Wars, The Old Republic, and all other media. This is where the fun begins. Today we wanted to give a special shout out to Master Tillin. Uh, or Master Tylon. Uh, we're not 100% sure on how to pronounce it, so definitely let us know. Uh, Cassia goes Tillin. I'm I'm going Tylon, but uh, thank you very much to our newest Patreon patron. Yeah, they joined at the level of Jedi Padawan, so we're always super grateful to our patrons. And if you want to become a patron and support us, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash Old Republic Podcast. And you can also find that uh, in the link on our Instagram bio at Old Republic Podcast. So thanks again and enjoy this episode. Hello there, Ebon Hawk crew. Today I am drinking from my Terrace Upper City mug. It's uh, emblazoned with our ship logo, the Ebon Hawk, and it has mission reading bloodlines and Zalbar and Karth kind of like just kind of chilling at the upper city you know and I like the the orange accents it has uh are you uh, with your Endar Spire mug at all yeah I, I am not with my Endar Spire mug right now but I did uh enjoy a good cup of coffee out of it this morning and yeah I the artwork on it looks fantastic and the ship looks great And you should definitely check them out. So all of the kind of postcard artwork we've got, we've got on some mugs. So give them a look on our merchandise shop. So you can find that on, you know, the links in our Instagram bios, or you can go to ebonhawkpodcast.square.site and check those out because, yeah, I love the way that these turned out. Yeah. And uh, we're getting more and more options each day, uh, thanks to Astronautka Art. And yeah. By the time uh, this episode is released, maybe we'll have our complete Journey to the Starforge uh, set released, but we're kind of featuring all the different worlds and and characters from Knights of the Old Republic, so I have to drink as much water as I can. It's just been so hot recently. Like, like, is this Jakku or Geonosis? (laughs) Because it's too hot, you know? It's too hot. Stay hydrated out there, for sure. Yeah. So one question, so we are going to examine like the character arcs in our proposed trilogy, Um, but one question I had, there was a great question posed to me by the Gabe Young, and he said, what do you think KOTOR 1's theme slash thesis is? Uh, What do you think uh, the theme or thesis is, Brian? Oh, okay. Um, that is a good question, and it ties in very nicely with um, kind of my main sort of you know character arc for the trio here. So I'll kind of I'll kind of answer that, and then we can talk a little bit more about it here. But I think kind of the main thesis of the first Kotor is self discovery and uh, redemption. Um, I think that you know those two kind of ideals kind of coincide uh, with each other, and I think that's what the ultimate sort of yeah, the the theme of the first Knights of the Old Republic is for me at least that's that's what I take out of it, you know, self-discovery and redemption, you know, learning who you are and being, you know, forgiven and forgiving yourself for those mistakes. Uh what about you, Cassio? What do you think that the, you know, theme of 
uh, KOTOR 1 is? I would say it's never too late to make the right decision or to okay. ask someone or to help someone make the right decision. So, okay, yeah, yeah. it's about becoming better, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, really good question, uh, Gabe Young. You can check him out on uh, Instagram. Yeah, and when we get to the thesis of KOTOR 2, like, yeah, it's going to be intense. A whole, like, series of episodes, probably, so. Yeah, I mean, the, the thesis may just be that in the Star Wars universe, you don't have free will and everything you do has consequences, but you have to make choices because apathy is death. But um, yeah. I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to like get more comfortable with KOTOR 2, but uh, mm -hmm. that's what we have to look forward to. So today we're going to look at the character arcs uh, for Knights of the Old Republic, our trilogy, the trilogy mm -hmm. of Knights of the Old Republic, the KOTOR trilogy, if you will. Um, and we're going to start off with the trio. And we're starting with uh, Revan. And for me, like, looking at the whole trilogy, it's like, he's kind of becoming a, he's an equation, he's going to become a synthesis. Like, his old identity, mm -hmm. there is good and bad, mostly bad, maybe, um, because he did turn to the dark side. And I know, like, KOTOR 2 kind of was like, he had to, like, make the sacrifice, you know, but I'm like, he still turned to the dark side, and I think, like, in the Star Wars universe, like, if you do turn to the dark side, even if you do have good intentions, like, the dark side changes you, you know? Mm hmm So, like, mostly bad. So, old identity, good, plus bad, mostly bad, plus reprogrammed identity equals new identity of his choosing and i see him in the third one trying to save bastila from his mistakes kind of having to come to terms with what malik became and saving the galaxy uh he has a new life and uh that was given to him in act one and then the revelation happened in Act 2. And then Act 3 is what he does with it. And I think, like, what he does with it is he becomes the, the best version of all of his identities. He becomes the synthesis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, definitely for Evan. Yeah, that's that sums it up really, really well. But um, like I'd mentioned, you know, and kind of answer to that question. So it's you know, self-discovery and redemption. So. Uh, you have you know, Revan in the first film, he doesn't know who he is, and then at the end of the second film, um, it's revealed who he is. So we spend this last and final film as he's kind of exploring what that realization means, right? So he's learning about the things that he's done, what he was capable of, and you know, you're kind of unsure, and he's kind of unsure which side of that you know, equation he's going to fall on, right? Does he belong on the light side? Does he belong on the dark side? Do his previous actions, you know, kind of dictate which side he needs to be on? Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of the kind of the main story arc as far as Revan goes. I think it would be interesting to see him, you know, kind of waver across that line, you know, kind of back and forth, you know, especially as we get into, you know, the third act here and we're on, you know, Corban, you know, the home of the 
the Sith and Lehan, you know, this this place where he'd ultimately kind of unleashed this, you know, big machine, the Starforge, you know, against the the whole galaxy, basically. Um, so I think that I think seeing him waver across that line's for me going to be super interesting. But yeah, it's just it's just all about him. You know, like I said, it's you know, he's forgotten who he is. He's, you know, been been told who he is and now he's remembering uh who he is in this last film yeah it's a fascinating character and i think you you can create a good character for him even though like it was based on an rpg and a lot of people have different opinions like i think if you just Mm -hmm. make it a good story like it's a good story and i mean like one thing i would like to happen probably wouldn't though um is like if Revan's a a guy in an adaptation just like maybe you could do like a graphic novel where Revan is female you know just to kind of like balance Mm -hmm. things out I think uh just so everyone's happy you know and vice versa you know yeah it'd be interesting I because I think um I forget what the name of it is but Marvel does that they have like the comic book line and I think it's going to uh, be a show here on Disney Plus, but it's basically like the alternate like universe kind of thing where like anything could happen. But that would be fun if they could, you know, figure out a way to do something like that for yeah. this the story, you know, to kind of pay homage to its RPG roots. Yeah, and I think the show you're talking about is an animated one. It's gonna be called What If? Yes. And like yep. I- I remember there was a Star Wars comic series called uh, Star Wars Infinities. And, like, for A New Hope, it had, like, what if, like, the missiles or the torpedoes that Luke shot into the dark side, what if they malfunctioned? So, like, he made the shot, but it just didn't blow up. And uh, it's, like, everyone dies, like, on Yavin 4. I think maybe, like, the princess gets away, Princess Leia. But then, like... Yoda senses it and he he forces the the Death Star into Coruscant and I'm like wow like he he does it with the force and I'm like wow that is intense you know and mm-hmm. uh it's just kind of interesting to see like what could happen and I would love Star Wars to play more like around with like not just keeping up one timeline you know like and I think that's yeah. what Star Wars Visions is going to get us but yeah but kind of getting back to the older public of it all, uh, with Bastila, I think like her kind of character arc is like she's gonna become a better person and walk away from her mistakes in Act Three. Mm-hmm. And I really think like Star Wars needs to stress that redemption doesn't need to equal death. There doesn't need to be necessarily like a tragedy like this is a fairy tale like let people become better without like killing them off you know um so Bastila kind of begins the story like she kind of represents like a young adult uh and like kind of just kind of told what to do kind of just recites dogma that she's been told she kind of has to hide the truth and then like after the revelation, she kind of, like, goes through a phase, turns to the dark side, but then, like, she's able to turn away from the dark side, and she becomes herself, like, 
she's not like the the young adult that would just do what she's told to do. She's not like the the dark-sided uh, person acting out. She's kind of just like an adult, you know, like the best mm-hmm. version of herself. So that's what I see. What about you? Yeah, so in, in Bastila, as you go through kind of the story, she goes from being like the good student to the wavering student to um, kind of the the fallen student uh, the bad the bad student i don't i don't know how to say that but but you know what i mean right so she's she's a very good jedi and then that starts to waver and then she uh you know kind of you know changes allegiances turns her back on the jedi teachings um you know and ultimately it takes you know the other half of herself you know revan uh this you know the original dyad to kind of bring her back so i think for her character arc here in the in the third film um we see her obviously as dark side basila but i think um, she has like a newfound confidence in this role. Now, Basil has always been confident, but she's been confident just kind of being like a mouthpiece for, you know, Jedi dogma. Like it wasn't really her own confidence. She was just, you know, very confident in, you know, what the Jedi told her that she should believe in. Uh, but now that confidence is more of like a self-confidence. And we get to see see that, you know, kind of play out through this film, you know, the couple of times uh, we see her and then um, as she's redeemed back and, you know, kind of her, her interactions with Revan and how the uh, film ends. Um, and I think that that's kind of what's interesting about Basila is as she's redeemed by Revan and you have like this this very nice kind of circular storytelling where, you know, she redeems Revan and Revan redeems her and it just kind of goes around in this uh, circle. One of the interesting things is now that she's been redeemed, um, she's able to look at the uh, Jedi Council, the you know Jedi Order, um, and kind of the actions of the Jedi uh, through this lens now, where she's been on the other side and can see the flaws in their uh, teachings and their approach to the world. Yeah, I don't know if this is a word uh, like <laughs> she's individuating, uh, like she's yeah. becoming an individual. I'm pretty. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's a word. If it's not, like it should be, it, it makes sense. But um, yeah, she's. It's like she's kind of like able to be an adult and just kind of like be like, oh, maybe like the the mentors think this, but I think this, and I'm a good thinker. Like I'll mm-hmm. do it my way. You know, it's kind of like she. It's a story. Like it's kind of like young adult to becoming yourself like becoming an adult so yeah and then uh with Karth I see it as like he's learning to forgive heal and move on Mm -hmm. when he comes face to face with Dustal it helps him realize like maybe Revan did these things but Revan is a good person now and I think the same with Bastila so his overall arc is like learning to believe and trust again. And I think like he's in one place in act one. And then I think he reaches his low point in act two when like it's revealed Revan is Revan. And then I mm-hmm. think in three, he learns to to heal and move on from that. Yeah, I would agree with that. And in kind of th- keeping with this uh, uh, theme I have going here for like self-discovery um, and redemption. Yeah, Karth, you know, starts out the... Start, starts out our trilogy as, you know, a good good soldier, you know, following orders, you know, he's there to 
protect and serve Bastila. And then as you go through the films into the second film, you know, he learns more about what's been going on, right? The lies. He learns uh, possibly that Dustal's still alive. He's put in positions that are kind of contrary to how he thinks uh, things should be going. And then ultimately here in the in the last act, he, you know, is reunited uh, with his son. Um, so he's able to save him. He has the opportunity to save kind of his new family here with, you know, Bastila and Revan and uh, Candrus. So it, it kind of, you know, makes this a uh, good path for him to sort of, you know, kind of suffer this, you know, kind of loss. And like you said, mistrusting in everyone and is able to kind of find that and find his, you know, footing uh, back with, with everyone and is able to trust, you know, and, and what they, you know, are trying to accomplish. Um, I think um, possibly kind of after the story or the tail end, I don't know um, if Karth necessarily retires, but I think, you know, he's going to take some time off and go try to uh, build his relationship up with his, with his son. And then, you know, he'll, he'll be back to work, but he'll have a better understanding of, you know, what it means to, you know, put your trust in someone and uh, believe in someone, you know, kind of beyond what your uh, mission uh, briefing says. Yeah. Karth, I think, deserves a vacation after the KOTOR trilogy, you know? Uh, Yeah. He can take a sabbatical. Yeah, he'll want to talk about it now. (laughs) That would actually be a hilarious, uh, maybe a little meta, you know? Uh, Yeah. With, like... Dustal and Karth and like maybe Dustal asks him something and like Karth is like let me talk to you about that or something and like it, it would just <laughs> it would make me happy and bring me joy um yeah the fourth character I have on here is Jolie mm-hmm. he used to be like maybe the protagonist of his his own story you know like he was the hero but he had to step back into the swing of things to save the galaxy he had to be the mentor and i think like in this one he gets to see his faith rewarded Mm -hmm. um he gets to see that sometimes it does work out because i think like it didn't work out with him and his wife but i think like maybe when he's able to kind of see things work out with revan and bastila like he knows like it can work out sometimes and I think it would be kind of bittersweet for him. Yeah, for sure. So I, we meet Jolie, and he's in uh, kind of the self-imposed isolation uh, when he joins the party. But he's kind of there more or less as to just provide kind of kind of like a, an example for Revan and Bastila and Karth to to learn from. Um, and then that's ultimately, you know, for me and in, in my head and my, you know, kind of story I'm in, envisioning is he actually gets the opportunity to have some closure and, you know, teaching and being like an actual mentor with Juhani and kind of, you know, righting the wrongs that he'd had, um, you know, and not and not wanting to teach his wife necessarily. But, you know, that went that went very wrong. So he's getting kind of another crack at it. So I think that that's going to give him some closure and kind of the journey he's been going on, you know, a journey that started well before, you know, our story picks up. Um, now kind of after, after this, I was thinking about it and I was wondering if you think Jolie would go back to the Jedi order or not, or if he would, uh, stay outside. But then I was, I was thinking, um, 
what if uh, he, you know, kind of went back to the Jedi Order and, you know, they kind of make, made amends, but maybe Jolie was the first kind of way seeker that we see. And they talk a lot about kind of that role in the High Republic stuff that's out right now. So uh, what do you think? Do you think Jolie could have been like the the uh, OG way seeker? Perhaps, but I kind of see him like kind of being like Ahsoka and like kind of being outside of the Jedi Order, and st- mm-hmm. and yet he's kind of like the best of the Jedi. I kind of think the Jedi... I mean, we're, we're going to get to this point later, but I think, like, the Jedi Council, uh, those who survive are going to be... They're going to know that they kind of screwed up with Revan and Bastila. Mm-hmm. I think that's why they're just not going to even, like, be like, well, actually, this is cor- sort of an attachment. Like, even though you say the galaxy, like, you just kind of need to, like... Not be together like they're they know they have no place to like kind of give any feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, so like maybe it would be kind of nice to like for them to be humbled and learn from Jolie, but right. I kind of just wonder if they're capable of that. Like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so I think like maybe Jolie, I don't think he'd go back to Kashik, but mm-hmm. maybe he could just kind of like have earned a a quiet life or at least a quiet moment and maybe he could be kind of like someone who overlooks like Zalbar's uh, village and mission is kind of there like as a friend too like you know so that's that's what I could see there you go and then um, with Juhani she's someone who helps the quest succeed she's kind of like the She's, like, a Jedi who's not, like, the mentor, but, like, not, like, the main character, but she kind of just helps things, uh, helps things along, and I think, like, her and Balea would be, like, the B couple, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. throughout the trilogy, and, uh, as I was kind of just writing down the treatments for Act 2 and 3, maybe I need to, like, re-listen to the files, but I'm like, oh... The characters are telling me, like, her and Candorous become BFFs. So, like, in my treatment, that happens. Um, okay. I don't know if that happens in the game. Maybe they're, they, they're mad at each other. But I'm like, I think we're missing an opportunity where they become BFFs. Yeah, I could see uh, them being BFFs for sure, right? Because they're both kind of, you know, lost from their original tribes at this moment, right? So we pick up kind of Giovanni's story. She's... You know, very tempted, very lured on her way to the to the dark side, and we're kind of yeah. able to able to you know uh, keep her from from going down that path. And then you know, ultimately, she ends up you know kind of joining in with the party and and plays a big role as far as you know helping to protect Revan and to teach and to learn a lot. Now, I've always kind of you know pictured and I've you know mentioned it a bunch of times now, but her and Jolie having kind of this mentor and friendship there um, now after kind of our story i i'd wonder you know if she would you know remain with the the jedi order but i think it would be interesting if you know maybe she wants to leave and jolie kind of convinces her to stay and that you know uh something along the lines that the force is better served with you know her voice in the jedi order um you know yeah. to, to kind of encourage her to to stick with it and to you know be be a different you know voice in the room from 
you know, the rest of the Jedi Masters who are uh, clearly not capable of doing a good job. So, uh, yeah, I think Johnny's storyline is uh, super interesting and uh, definitely in that, you know, kind of redemption uh, sort of arc for me anyways. Yeah. And I mean, one thing I was kind of thinking of is like, oh, maybe like, I guess like technically the Mandos did kind of genocide her people. Um, but Callus. Callus, you know, in in Rebels was able to become BFFs with uh with Zeb, you know, oh, and yeah. they they overcame that and like became close. So I'm like, maybe the same thing could happen with Juhani and Candorus, you know, and I don't know. I kind of see it as like uh, Bastila and Carther, probably, you know, friends, and then like. Juhani and Candorus become friends, you know, mm-hmm. and just everyone is friends, you know. Especially because I would think that her and Candorus probably, I mean, even though, you know, she is a Jedi, they both probably still feel a little bit like outsiders to the rest of the group, maybe. Maybe there's yeah. a little bit of that going on, so they could find some camaraderie there, maybe. Yeah. It, it should happen, people. Like, they, they become BFFs, so... Yeah. Uh, Mission in Big Z. Um, I feel like I don't need them to come back in Act Two uh, mm-hmm. at the end. Like, I'm not married to that idea, but I do see Mission in Big Z like coming back at least in the third film, like for the final battle. Like, I think like Revan just would not want them there, but they're like mm-hmm. we're here anyways. Like. Like, it's kind of like they're they're young adults, you know? Right. And this is kind of like an internship for them. While they're doing university, they be, they became adults, and Revan definitely doesn't want them there, but uh, he trusted them when they showed up. And, yeah, I think it would just be kind of like a nice moment for them to 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 show up. Yeah, I think like you, I think it's it's probably in the best interest of the story to kind of leave them behind, at least for um, as far as the second act goes. But uh, when we get to the third act, um, I think that they could have kind of an important part to play. I, I could see them being involved um, kind of heavily on the Korriban section, you know, and helping Karth kind of infiltrate into the Sith Academy and get his son or, you know, figure out where, you know, Dustal is and uh, that kind of thing. So I think they're playing a big part there. And then um, once we get to the Star Forge too, I think, you know, we kind of want to see, you know, the whole team there in action and in some capacity. And, you know, Mission and Big Z have, you know, shown throughout the entirety of this uh, trilogy that they're dependable. And, you know, if any of their friends, you know, here on board the Ebon Hawk need their help, they're going to show up whether, you know, it's in their best interest too or not. So... Yeah, I mean, like, Revan wouldn't be able to tell them no, like, mm-hmm. they're there, you know? Yep. Yeah, and, and that's and that's from the uh, very first uh, encounter with, right? She offers to help, and he tells her no, or Karth tells her no, and, uh, you know, she shows up and helps anyways, so. Yeah. Then with HK47, I was like, I'm not able to come up with an arc. Like, am I just not, like, an HK47, like, mega fan? Mm, uh, maybe there could be an OG meatbag showdown, but I think it would be kind of funny, like, just to see, like, HK47 just 
take down a lot of troopers and like maybe just Malik has to hear about it and he's just so angry mm-hmm. and I mean you don't want to make it too comical but just like for that to be like in the background would would be funny yeah so HKA 47 for me so in our uh, kind of act three recap show um, you'd you'd mentioned that you didn't want to necessarily see Revan have a big hallway scene on the Starforge. You know who I do want to see have a big hallway scene on the Starforge is HK-47. Uh, we need to see this guy in super action because we saw him uh, having some action on the Leviathan. Him and uh, T3, they were going around, you know, trying to, you know, get the uh, team broken out of their jail cells and, you know, try to get out of there. But that was kind of a, a little bit of a stealthier action. And HK uh, needs needs some action. So I say, yeah, just let him... Let them go to town uh, on all these things. It's, it's going to be just like when we saw, you know, IG-11 and The Mandalorian, right? It's going to be just his time to shine as the uh, premier assassin droid in the galaxy. And I think that would be really funny if he's going through just mowing all these guys down and T3 is just kind of, you know, rolling along behind him, just, yeah, you know, going about his business, opening doors and, you know, not paying much attention. Yeah. HK is just kind of escorting him. T3 uh, is not a... This place. Yeah, T3 is not a murder bot. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like for T three M four, I'm like, I couldn't really come up with an arc. He doesn't really have an arc in Kotor. He definitely has one in mm-hmm. Kotor two. Uh, so I wrote down no arc, but looks cute. Yeah, still cute. So we'll get another get another Funko for T three. But yeah, I mean, he doesn't have much to do. We'd we'd kind of brought up the idea that he's basically like the GPS for the Ebon Hawk, but yeah, he doesn't, especially like on Corban and on Leon, he's not going to have a lot to do, you know, otherwise, but I, th- I think it would be fun to kind of see him, you know, rolling around doing stuff on the, on the Star Forge. Like I said, give HK and T3 another, you know, opportunity to shine as the droids of the party here. And I know people will, will be definitely interested in seeing HK cause he's a fan favorite. So yeah, he, he definitely is. Um, what do you think about Darth Malak's arc? Um, so Darth Malak's arc, I mean, as as far as the film goes, right, it's it's pretty one note, right? His arc's already kind of happened off screen, right? You know, way back when he was a uh, Jedi Alec and then, you know, became Malak. Um, but as far as like the story arc here for him, I think really through all three of the films, it's kind of this cat and mouse game. Um you know, Malik knows where all of these star maps are, and he knows that's where, you know, Revan is going to find these things to figure out how to catch up with them. So by the time everyone actually does, I think that Malik's going to be, you know, super overconfident. He's going to, you know, think that he's pretty much already won. He's, you know, he's, you know, dropped the bombshell that Revan is Revan. He's turned Bastila to the dark side. Um, something I do hope that we would get to see for Malik is that I would like to see some interactions with him and Bastila on board, just so we're able to kind of, you know, get get a little bit more character growth and just time with Malik other than, you know, we'll just, you know, flash up to the ship. Yep, there he is looking evil. Okay, back to the action, right? So we get some actual, like, like dialogue and, you know, some info on what his mindset is. Uh, what yeah. about you? What What do you think? Uh, what do you think Malik's getting up to over the uh, trilogy and here in this last uh, installment? I do agree with what you say about like giving him more of a character. I think like Darth Malik realizes like over the course of the trilogy, like especially like in his final moments, like 
that he was always in Revan's shadow. He wanted to be Revan, subvert Revan, and take him off the map. But the irony is that he defined himself by Revan. And he dies with that realization, and I think he dies with some dignity, but it's not like he's redeemed. He's still, like, on the dark side. Mm -hmm. Um which I think will just be different. It's like he doesn't have to die like uh, Palpatine, like kind of cackling and right. doing force lightning. Maybe he's a bit like Count Dooku at the end. I don't know. Um, just kind of like he dies with the realization he could have been a better person, mm -hmm. but he's not a better person. Yeah, it's it's kind of a lot like... Count Dooku, right? Kind of that realization at the end. I, the difference, I guess, is that Count Dooku kind of realized that he was played for a fool in the end, and you know, Malik would be just more of a realization that he went down the down the wrong path. But I, I do think it's you know more interesting to have him, you know, be offered redemption and to just turn away from it, right? To just kind of make that decision on his own. He's going to sort of die on this hill that he started up. Yeah, and then the last person I put on the list, any guesses? Uh, I well, it's probably kind of the the ones that are pulling the strings for all of you know these uh, actions in this whole story, but uh, probably the Jedi Council. Yeah. So what I wrote down is that they realize, like those who survived the survivors, they messed up, and <laughs> they're like, we're just gonna let Revan and Bastila like do their thing like we have no room to tell them what to do mm -hmm. and i think we can see that we screwed up you know um what do, what about you yeah very much i think that they are going to realize that they screwed up uh kind of try to sweep it under the rug and just let just let things kind of go um i think we kind of you know hear from them you know periodically throughout the the story here um, I think it would be interesting if Revan doesn't tell them that Bastila has, you know, turned, right? Um, I think that that would be interesting if he keeps that from them. Now, whether that's something that they would just be able to sense through the Force or not, I don't I don't know. But I think it would be interesting for him to, you know, keep that to himself or to, you know, tell them uh, not the entire truth about what's going on there in that aspect. Um, I do think that they show up. Uh, kind of at the Star Forge, or they at least send some Jedi to to help on kind of these Republic command ships, uh, kind of a thing. Um, and then you know at the at the end of the film, I think maybe they make a plea for Bastil and Revan to come back to Dantooine. But um, you know, Bastil and Revan are like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to you know go off to Coruscant and uh, have some time together, or go to Leon and sit and look out at the ocean or uh, do something that's not go back to Dantooine and deal with you people right now. We need some time. Yeah. The only cool person on Dantooine is Vandar. End of list. So <laughs> that's it. That's it. The one linking character between act like the KOTOR trilogy and KOTOR 2 in my book would be Atris. Like, okay. I think she's down to commit war crimes and uh, morally questionable decisions. I mean, like, she was on the Coruscant Council, but I'm like, maybe she could be, like, the representative of Dantooine on the Coruscant Council, and then that's mm -hmm. way we get Atris in the first one and oh, okay. yeah. kind of build up that character more. Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah. but yeah, yeah, only Vandar's cool. And uh, <laughs> maybe some of them could be like, uh, I think what we need to do is apologize and we'll explain everything on Dantooine. It's like, you've, you've explained enough, you know, like uh, they're on the light side, but they don't need to listen to the Dantooine council, you know, uh, right. Revan and Basilis set up some boundaries and it's like, if we're gonna, if we're gonna be Jedi, we're going to be Jedi on Coruscant or something. So yes, uh, somewhere where they can, yeah, at least have a little bit of breathing room from uh, what the Jedi Council has going on, at least for the time being. So Definitely. So are there any characters you feel like I missed or anything like we should kind of talk about? No, I think that that pretty much wraps up kind of, um, you know, all the all the characters here for, you know, the Ebon Hawk and, you know, Malik and the Jedi Council. Um, and yeah, and I think it's just, like I said, I think that it's a, a story of kind of self-discovery and redemption. I kind of tried to hit on that a little bit as we, you know, talked about each of each of these characters. But yeah, really, really good story arcs. And I think that it makes for, you know, a very compelling uh, story to be told um, over a film or uh, anything else. Uh, what about you? Did you have anything else to add in terms of the of the characters here from our trilogy? Uh, I think we we talked about the major players. I mean, like I think the trio and uh, and Malik are kind of like the ones you kind of have to get right, and then like mm-hmm. the other characters, they they do have their time to shine. And I think like we're kind of able to see like exactly what would happen, like beginning, middle, and end. Like we have a beginning, a middle, and end in mind, and it's mm-hmm. a. Kotor has a great story and great characters and like just kind of being able to see the whole picture uh, if if there were to be something made we could definitely get a good story out of it yeah absolutely because that's that was the trickiest part of this whole thing and I would like to uh, give you a compliment and give myself a, a partial compliment but I thought that we did a really good job of kind of keeping the characters storylines intact without you know making it feel you know cluttered or trying to force characters into the story when they weren't needed to be i mean that's why in the game you only get to take you know two companions with you right because you can't have all of these characters on screen all the time but i think that i feel at least um that we did you know a good job of you know telling everyone's story and being you know cognizant of the way that that would actually play out in an actual film. So I think that that's pretty good. Yeah. Thank you. Like, I, I think we're kind of able to see the full picture and uh, we know how to tell a story. And it's not just like about like being like, this is canon or this isn't canon or like we need to have an epic hallway scene or like what what matters is like this character goes to the dark side and we see them kill everyone, you know, like. Mm-hmm. We're kind of able to think about characters and story structure and what makes an overall good story, you know? And yeah. in, our, in my humble opinion, we, we did a great job. We knocked it out of the park. Uh, and yeah. maybe one day we'll, we'll make it a radio drama or something. And, oh, there you go. Uh, can have fun with that. But yeah, KOTOR, KOTOR forever, you know? Uh, and... 
It's not like we're done. Like, this isn't the final curtain call for our proposed adaptation of KOTOR. Like, we we have some excellent guests in mind for talking about Korriban, talking about Lee Han, talking about the Starforge, and then we'll have an epic KOTOR trilogy celebration, you know, and then yeah. we'll have a little bit of a, of a break, and then we'll dive into KOTOR 2, and, like, that's going to be interesting, you know, so... It's yeah. totally a different type of story, different kind of tone, different protagonist, but it'll be like a literature course, so it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be fun to dive into and dissect. And I mean, even even though we're kind of, you know, wrapping up how we would see a trilogy of films here for, you know, Revan and Bastila and crew for from, you know, the first Knights of the Old Republic... Um, you know, there's still a lot more stories that could be told for these characters. There's going to be, you know, things that we'll probably want to revisit or things we'll be enlightened to or guests that will have, you know, some different opinions that we're interested in, you know, kind of exploring. But uh, yeah, so it's just going to be a lot of fun. There's always room for more KOTOR goodness. And Cassia, I have a question for you in terms of KOTOR goodness. Mm-hmm. So we just we just ran through all of the characters in our in our uh, proposed trilogy here and kind of talked about what their, you know, the kind of story arcs and things were here for this. Where do these characters go from here? What happens after, uh, you know, we, we have our rap party, this, uh, you know, this trilogy goes out to the world and, you know, makes massive amounts of money. Is there any kind of projects for this cast of characters that you would like to see or um, anything really interesting that you would like to explore in terms of, you know, KOTOR 1 as far as storytelling goes or storylines to continue? or I think that you definitely could have, like, maybe some comics or a story uh, talking about, like, uh, Mission and Big Z. You know, it could be a fun, like, kind of YA novel or comic book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Jolie, like... I don't know if it would happen, but you could definitely kind of see like what he was doing after KOTOR and maybe HK47 and T3 could be the team of droids that we didn't know we needed and they could have like a cute little animated cartoon. Actually, no, HK47 can't do cute. <laughs> no, um, But like maybe they could team up and like it's like Tom and Jerry, like one is like more like violence prone and then one is like, no, let's be cute. You know, I don't know. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I'm with you. I think, um, you know, after this or before this leading up to it. Yeah. I'd like to see um, some new novels or comics, you know, kind of exploring the characters kind of, you know, before the story takes place and after uh, kind of these events. And I think that it would be nice to have some sort of maybe like a, a short like series maybe um, that kind of bridges the gap to set up a uh, KOTOR 2 because there's, you know, a lot going on in that world. And uh, it would be nice to kind of maybe establish some of that before, you know, we would get into whatever we would want to get into there. But I think, you know, a nice kind of four or six episode little thing just to kind of lay out the state of the galaxy before, you know, whatever KOTOR yeah. 2's got up its sleeve, I think would be really cool. And then I have a really good idea. Tell me if you are on board with this. 
Um, mm-hmm. So this is this is going to be a Disney Plus show, and I'm calling it the Darth Revan Super Hallway Show. And it's just Revan just going through hallways, mowing down guys, like 60 minutes, you know, like 10 episodes of that, <laughs> something like that. Do you think that's good? Yeah, and it can it can star Keanu Reeves. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for sure. It could be um, like biomes yeah. instead of like peaceful, like, you know, like planets and like <laughs> nice aesthetics it's like just hallway scenes and just yeah just him going down a super long hallway scene it'd be like that old <laughs> uh old screensaver where it's just going through the maze like all day long it could just be just be that yeah um but that's that's joking i think everyone kind of knows <laughs> that we're we're not really that on board with uh hallway scenes at least not gratuitous ones uh, but what i could yeah. be on board with is a good um, storyline, maybe something animated. I think that this would be really cool animated, but it would follow kind of the storyline of uh, Revan and Malik, like right after they turned and they got the assignment from the Sith Emperor to go find, you know, the star maps so they could get the Star Forge turned on. So like a yeah. like an like an animated kind of thing that goes through their storyline, like leading up to, um, you know, the beginning of the first KOTOR. So I, I'm not in love with, like, the Sith Emperor turning Revan and Malak to the dark side. I really would have rather it just been the war itself. Mm-hmm. I'm not really in love with the links that exist between Swotor and Knights of the Old Republic. And if some things need to be retconned from the Revan novel, I'm a little too happy to do that, I think. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm working on my Swotor love. I have to, I have to have an open mind, you know, but I think, I think I've kind of like said, like in my mind, like the, the old Republic expanded universe that exists in my head is a trilogy of, uh, Knights of the Old Republic and then. KOTOR 2, I'm not quite sure on, like, whether it'd be a Disney Plus series or a couple movies or a trilogy. It's a hard thing to adapt. I honestly Mm -hmm. think, like, it should be just a book. But if you're going to make an expanded universe and we need the story of the exile, the heroine's journey, it's going to be a hard thing to get right, you know? Mm -hmm. And so... KOTOR trilogy, something with KOTOR 2 that we will determine at some later point in time. And then uh, there can be spinoffs or whatever for like what there should be, you know, from KOTOR 1 and KOTOR 2, I think. And then in my mind, there would be a KOTOR 3, like let the exile and Revan like have a good end, you know, not just Mm -hmm. be killed off randomly. Right let it end in the timeline that they're from. And that doesn't mean Swotor can't happen, but like, I just kind of like it to be like, they're kind of two distinct stories and they can have connections, but like, mm-hmm. uh, I think it would just be stronger if Revan and Exile are given endings in their timeline. But I actually would like a, an animated series kind of like Clone Wars. That's like the Mandalorian Wars. Mm-hmm. I think people could have a lot of fun with like animated Mandos and like the Mandalorians could be maybe more like uh, I think the author is Karen Travis's interpretations of like Mando culture, you know, like it's a different timeline. They're not quite like they were in Clone Wars, you know, mm-hmm. like let them be epic kind of warlords, you know, and kind of like you kind of see 
Revan and Malik kind of turn to the dark side and then they're they're fighting the Mandalorian Wars and then they turn on the Republic and then uh Bastila Shan comes into the into the fray and um in my mind how like this animated series that doesn't exist, you know, like ends um mm-hmm. Revan and Malik are like, how come the how come the Republic is winning? You know, like all, all of a sudden and it's like Oh, there's a Jedi Padawan named Vastla Shan, and uh, she's kind of changing the tide of everything. And like in my mind, like it's kind of like Anakin and Grievous, like they never meet over the course of mm-hmm. the Clone Wars. You know, like yep. in my mind, like Revan and Vastla don't meet until they meet on Revan's flagship, and Malik betrays them. But like maybe you kind of get the the feel of like things are like leading to that conflict and then it's it's kind of like that's how that animated prequel to the Mandalorian Wars would end and yeah that that's what I kind of see like the old republic being at that point you know and that doesn't mean like maybe there's stories that haven't been created yet or people haven't mm-hmm. thought of yet that could uh come about organically but it's a it's a rich timeline and i think it deserves to be explored yeah absolutely yeah i'm I'm on board for all of that stuff i think seeing the mandalorian wars um you know kind of in any form would be uh, really great just because we've never seen you know mandalorians and like positions of power and you know having strongholds all over the universe so that would be that would be really cool and yeah i think you know just a lot of good projects could be on the the horizon. So, you know, hopefully everyone enjoyed going through our proposed KOTOR trilogy and, you know, let us know who your favorite character arc is and all that good stuff. And, you know, like I, like we'd said, you know, we're going to be here to talk about KOTOR 2 and all sorts of Old Republic good stuff. So, Yeah. If you're able to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, that helps more people find our our show and it helps us uh, get higher ranked and I don't really understand what happens but five star reviews and just a review it it really does magical things and where people are able to listen to the podcast so if you're able to do that we appreciate it and we will read uh, your reviews on the air so thank you very much and may the force be with you and you can find us on Instagram at Old Republic Podcast. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at astro underscore droid underscore. And you can connect with us on Twitter at Old Republic Pod. On Patreon, the link is in our Instagram bio, or you can find it at www.patreon.com slash Old Republic Podcast. The Old Republic Podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Schurman at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. Our transition music was composed by Christian Walker at christianwalkermusic.com. This episode of the Old Republic podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We'll be back soon. Bye for now. <laughs>